I'm Jim Wills, and this is the Art Unknown Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. The music in general is just, it's universal. It's that thing that we can all connect over. I, th I think that at the end of the day, art is, is what connects us to, to our souls. Focus on what inspires you and lights you up inside. And that's what's going to light other people up too. When I've experienced films that are transformative, I feel like it makes me able to understand the world better. So if you're an artist and you think that you've got something in you, close the door. Work. You stared at pictures on the books and screens and got a vision. A waterfall of magic running down sweet juicy nothings, but they were and they were something big and don't forget it You took a break, you searched your soul And now the world's your lover All right, this week on the podcast I am very excited to be talking with an artist uh, Who is a visual artist And she, I, I met her through social media As many people do You know, just seeing some amazing art on social media And I reached out to her, I really loved her work Actually, my wife really loved her work And said, hey, you should check out this artist and uh, she's got this beautiful, colorful art we'll talk about. Her name is Kelly Marie Beckyeth, and she goes by MEA as her signature, her pseudonym, if you will, on her art, MEA, Mia. And we'll talk about that. That stands for Messy Ever After. She's a graduate of St. Cloud State in Minnesota and with a bachelor's in creative writing, art and psychology blended together. And she's been creating art or selling art since 2010 and working full-time as an artist since 2016 and I'm really excited to talk about that her transition into a full-time artist it's always a fun topic so Kelly welcome to the podcast thanks for having me yeah glad to glad to be talking with you and if you I know you've listened to a few episodes so you know that I always start out asking for an inspiration from my artists I want to know yes. what inspires you what keeps you going what jazzes you what gets you excited so I hope yeah, you got something so, to <laughs> I do, I do. It's actually in my, my Instagram bio. Uh, generically, I say that I'm inspired by energy and emotions. Um, okay. I'm a very emotionally sensitive person. Um, so if I'm feeling anything like across the spectrum, good or bad, like it, it just kind of like builds up inside of me and I end up seeing colors and shapes to kind of like organize and experience the emotions with you know the visual sense but then also I find nature to be really inspiring so walking around outside like it just kind of fills me with the the need to to create and kind of translate the the experience emotions and nature yeah so with emotions does that mean like you're would you say you're a passionate person very <laughs> 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 so like if I, if someone got on your bad side or is it, are, you know, do the dukes come out or do oh, things get so, <laughs> so I have the ability to go there. Uh, I try to control that area of the emotional spectrum, but, but yeah, mostly it's, I lean into the good ones. So, you know, experiencing love and joy and happiness and obviously experience like the darker side of, uh, sadness and depression and all of that. So it all kind of channels into my art as a way to like communicate it and release it. Sure, sure, sure. So, so you might cry at a at a beautiful sunset kind of thing, or sunrise. Yeah, and or at a commercial. You never know when it's going to hit. 
<laughs> there's a this might be dating myself a little bit so those of you who are listening who can know this commercial I think it was lifesavers I want to say it was a lifesavers commercial years ago and it was like you know selling the whole like everything's beautiful blah blah and it was like this little girl toddler probably five years old or whatever and her dad and they were sitting on a hillside watching the sun go down and like the sun sets and she leans over to him and she whispers and she goes do it again daddy and it was like Aww. oh it was so beautiful you know <laughs> like I'm almost tearing up now thinking about it because it's such a great it was such a great like it was Aww. the perfect advertising for pulling the heartstrings but it was one of those like man that was one of the most beautiful things ever so yeah I can feel sometimes they get you <laughs> that's good advertising right there well, let's, so inspiration, uh, you also talked about nature, and I get that a lot from artists, of going outside. There's a photographer friend of mine that I interviewed, Patricia McEnroy, last year, and she, her inspiration was going out and walking in nature in the morning. She'd go on morning walks, and she would find a lot of inspiration for her photography from just, you know, being outside. Where yeah. I am, I get to go out to the, the beach, and uh, I sometimes just go in the sit in the beach and listen to the waves or watch the waves and see the birds fly around stuff is very inspirational. So I can definitely relate to you there. What in, what is it about nature that inspires you? Uh, I, I don't know if it's kind of unique to my upbringing or um, like being in Minnesota, there's a lot of greenery. So like right now being in the middle of summer, you know, walking through any of the state parks, like everything is just so green and alive. And I think it's that, um, uh, yeah, just the the life that is surrounding me. So I don't know if I would get the same inspiration from like the desert or or an ocean beach. Like it, it definitely like brings me peace to be in nature, but specifically sure. it's the like vibrant green life of the Midwest. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I used to I lived in Colorado for many years, and I loved going into the mountains, to the Rocky Mountains, and just being out there among the trees. And I am an unabashed tree hugger and tree. <laughs> actually a tree sniffer. <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if you have these in Minnesota, but I think there might be lodgepole pines. It's a certain pine tree that would grow uh, a lot in like in Boulder and along the front range of the Rocky mountains. And when the tree sap would come out of the tree, it smelled like butterscotch. And oh, so, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. So next time you're out in nature, if you come across some pine trees and you see the sap smell it, you might find some butterscotch trees. I mean, it's not real butterscotch, but it has that it's scent. Oh, no, I'm going to have to do that. I know I sniff some of the cedar trees walking past them because that like you can smell them when you're walking on the oh, trail. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, people used to laugh at me when I'd say that too about like, oh, it smells like butterscotch. And every single person that I've introduced it to is like, oh, you're right. Totally. And it, it might be that I was leading them to that smell. But maybe for me, it smelled like butterscotch. And all those people I introduced smells like butterscotch. But um, cedar is also a good, a good tree. I'm it's, sure. It's a good tree. <laughs> Well, let's talk about your art. Let's talk about your journey yeah. as an artist. Uh, you were born and raised in Minnesota, mm -hmm. and you're you're currently still working and living in Minnesota. And you're living in Minneapolis, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Newly new resident of Minneapolis. New resident of Minneapolis. Okay. Well, why don't you take us a little bit on your journey as as to your art journey? What? Oh, yeah. Led you to become uh, an artist. Been, it's been a kind of a love hate relationship, a very tumultuous. <laughs> dance with art. Uh, I have been an artist since I can remember. Like as a kid, I like, I drew on everything. I scribbled on doors and walls and actually sold my first art as a six-year-old. I oh, wow. like, sold bu butterfly drawings to my parents' friends for like 25 cents. So there was, <laughs> <laughs> there was always a love for art and I took every class that I could 
K through 12. Um, but then <laughs> there was the, you know, the stereotype of starving artists. So mm-hmm. junior, senior year of high school, I was like, people would ask me, are you going to, are you going to go be an artist? Are you going to go to school for art? And I was like, no, I don't want to be poor. Why would I do that? It's just such a bad idea. So I ended up going to the university of Minnesota for biochemistry for a semester. And while I was there sitting in my college level chemistry class, I was like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) This is another terrible idea. And (laughs) at that point I switched to art and I was like, all right, I'm going to be an art major. I'm going to do it. I don't care if I'm poor, like it's going to make me happy. Uh, and then after about three semesters in the art program, I was like, what am I, this is a terrible idea too. (laughs) (laughs) Like switching around. And I ended up going to creative writing after that. Cause I got it in my head where I'm like, I'm going to like publish a book and do this. I'm there's a trend of me just like jumping onto something and then running with it and then hating it and then abandoning that for something else. Uh, so after I realized that, yeah, it's an artist. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, that sounds like an artist right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then after the creative writing program, uh, frustrated me, I went to psychology thinking, well, this is great. I love people. So I'll just, I don't know, get into uh, marriage and family therapy or something. And <laughs> yeah. Then the next like five years included multiple full-time jobs that were like dead ends and drove me insane. So it was a lot of like, I'm going to do this. No, never mind. Art needs to save me. I need to go like take a rest with art. And then no, I'm going to go be a dental ceramicist and make crowns for a living. And I was like, wait, no, no, I hate this too. And then yeah, ended in 2016. Uh, I was working at an IT company on a finance team. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I'm done denying this. And I was like, I'm going to jump into art and actually do it. And I stuck with it. And so since 2016, I've been doing it full time and consistently seeing growth and still experiencing like the, the love-hate relationship with it, but fully enjoying the the growth and the satisfaction that comes with actually like facing the discomfort of not succeeding immediately, which frustrates me a lot. <laughs> well, you know, that's, I think if you don't have that time, bit of time as a starving artist or a struggling artist, then uh, you don't really get to appreciate the other side of that as a successful artist. So yeah, uh, we'll ta- so true. We'll t- I wanted to ask, were your parents supportive of you as an artist before you became an artist, like as a kid, because you said you did art in high school and um, you had thought that you wanted to be an artist. You sold some butterflies, paintings, drawings. And so were they supportive of, of an art career? Had you decided back then that you were like, hey, I want to be an artist? Uh, yeah, kind of. So my parents had a very like hands-off uh, approach to careers. I think mainly they were just really happy that I was going to graduate high school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, I, I'm the youngest of three kids. So I think once it got to me, it was like, our expectations are very low. Just <laughs> graduate. Don't go to jail. Like just stay out of trouble. We're, we're happy with you. Standard, <laughs> so, standard third kid procedure. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was great for me. My dad is a very like creative dreamer. He was a drummer and just got into like guitar so he's obsessed with that now and like learning Mm. that and collecting way too many guitars so he he's definitely very supportive of the creative dreamer lifestyle in general and then my mom is like I love her she's she's very much a pragmatic midwestern like farm girl so you know she just wants to go go to work 
punch that clock and then go camping on oh the weekends. Goodness. And so like me being drastically different of like, I don't want to have a traditional job. She's like, okay, well do what makes you happy. <laughs> so, well, that's good. That sounds like support yeah. to me. It's, you know, yeah, it's great. It's, there isn't like any huge, like, you know, chase your dreams. You can, you can do it. It's more like just find your happiness and right. we'll be happy for you. Which I think is, is just as good as chase your dreams. Yeah. I mean, maybe chase your dreams is more supportive, but it's, it's way better than, Hey, you need to become a psychologist because that's how you're going to make money and support yourself or whatever, you know, or a scientist yeah. or an engineer or something like that. Like do what you want to do. And as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. Try to make money along the way. <laughs> yeah. Their, their approach was definitely healthy for what I, what I needed. So that was great. I didn't feel any like pushback from them. That's cool. That's very good. So you said you started as a, you became a full-time artist in 2016. Before mm -hmm. that, about how, how long, how many years or months before that, were you working on your art, selling your art, contemplating, hey, I want to be an artist? I started doing my first like uh, art fairs and, um, you know, like the, the summer art and craft fairs mm -hmm. uh, in the summer of 2010 so I had like a full I had full inventory and display and everything I was trying to do that while I was in my junior year of college okay. and then uh, didn't I sold some art but didn't make a lot uh, so that was discouraging but then I was only like making art sporadically from probably 20 2011 to 2016 right when I quit my job like I probably produced you know like 10 pieces of art a year maybe less in that time between and just kind of selling between 20, 2011 to 2016. I didn't wow, okay. really create much. Yeah. It was a, it was an interesting time <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, but yeah. So I would create when I kind of needed a, a break and still treated it as my hobby or my release and didn't really have the, the discipline necessary to create every day full-time or, you know, consistently produce work. Right. Right. So what was it that caused you to make that shift in 2016? And, and, and second half of that question is <laughs> how did you make that shift? I guess. So what was the catalyst and then how did you, how did you go about doing it? Okay. So catalyst, uh, I was, I was very happy with my, my job. So I, I finally like got what I qualified as a real job that didn't make me miserable within the first three months. So I was like, this is great. I think, I think I'm an adult now. This is like, I can do this. And I, you know, pushed really hard and ended up learning, you know, the positions for three different jobs and sort of got a promotion within that time and like moved to a different part of the team, but it came without a title change or a raise. It just kind of came with like, here's more stuff for you to do. Um, uh, so I think I was... Fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I was getting a little bit burned out because I'm very impatient and want things to happen immediately where I'm like, I'm good at this. I learned things. I should be like making way more money, <laughs> obviously. But I, I think I had pushed too hard because I, when I'm working for other people, I don't know my limits of burnout as easily. Okay. Cause I like, I'm a people pleaser. So I, you know, pushed too hard. And then finally was like, okay, I thought, I thought this job was going to be the thing that like, like fulfilled me or made me feel some sort of contentment but it was kind of showing again that I was going through that cycle of trying to force myself into a box and 
really not fitting into it. So I finally just hit that point where I'm like, okay, I just need like, for one, I need to quit this job because I'm burned out. And then the second part was that acceptance of, I think I am an artist and I think I do need to be able to make my own schedule and like follow my creative whims as they happen. And Mm -hmm. at the time I had two things that like allowed it to happen. And that was, I, since I've been a flighty artist all my life, I have kind of engineered my life to be very cheap. (laughs) So I was like, (laughs) I, I always like planned for, I need to make sure I can quit a job and exist for six to 12 months without stress. Um, so I had that kind of safety blanket and then I had the people around me were supporting it and saying like, yes, just, just do it. We're tired of hearing you complain and be unhappy. So just do it and shut up. (laughs) So you were a saver. You, you're, you're good at saving your money. Yes. Yes. And, and so you saved up good six months worth of income or whatever, so that you didn't have to worry. Did you, feel fear I guess when you took that leap in 2016 like holy shit I'm this guy gotta do this and make this happen and I basically have six months to make it work like yes oh yeah yeah that guilt has been honestly I've had that since I was a teenager when I was like oh I need to take care of myself and so I have this like constant anxiety of like I need to do this but I'm failing at it or like what if I do fail at it so yeah quitting the job there was definitely that pressure of like I need to make this work and like I still kind of have that you know every month as an artist is a gamble because there's you have no consistent paycheck coming in so I kind of restart every month with income goals and then thinking like okay I have I have to make this money where is it going to come from and you know there's there's always that fear and uncertainty which there's a healthy amount that you can have that drives you forward so I think I've been on that like on the cusp of healthy and too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and I know for sure for artists, uh, especially full-time artists, it can be feast or famine where you're, you know, things yeah. are great and you're rocking and you're like all this. It's, I think and something else that you mentioned there that I just want to make sure that I, that I point out this very clear to people is, is your sounds like you're very good with money or at least you're con- conscious of your financial situation because a lot of times in, in well, my personal experience and then when I talk to artists, a lot of times then there is that whole kind of artists aren't really necessarily great business people. You know, I'm an artist and I'll just make art. You know, and things are good. You end up spending more money and things are great. And the next thing you know, you're starving and you're like literally starving because you're not making money. And now all of a sudden you didn't, you didn't balance a budget or make a budget or yeah. create a budget. It sounds like you've handled that pretty well, at least for the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think my, my upbringing for that, you know, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. So in my head, it's always been like, I know, I know how hard it is to, to make money and dig out of a hole. So I've always been very conscious of that before, before even thinking about being a full-time artist. So yeah, I, I definitely, when it's the feast part, <laughs> feast versus famine, I still plan for famine and still like view it as famine. Like sure. enjoy, enjoy it while things are coming in, but then like squirrel away most of it uh, for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that famine that will come around again because it's so unpredictable. Right. Right. And it's always going to come. I mean, you know, it. that's just mm-hmm. it's nature of life. We, we live on a jar system where we have these six jars and I won't get into the details over here, but <laughs> But the design of it is to feed is to feed all parts of us. So we have like, I mentioned you being a saver. Like I, I was definitely a spender type person, and so 
there's a jar for saving and there's a jar for investing. Um, so you have that money to invest, to grow. And, but then there's the jar for edu continuing education. There's a jar for spending, which the, the goal is to spend that every month to keep, to feed that spender. So you don't like, Oh, when it is, when it is feast, you don't go out and blow all your money. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm, oh, it's okay to spend it. But then I'm also saving a certain percentage, blah, blah. blah. And so for me, that having that system was really crucial in developing really good financial skills. Um, and it sounds like oh, you like have that. you have developed a lot yeah. of that. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a great way to. And you, something else you mentioned, which I think is important too, is you've been able to live pretty simply. Yes. And another way to put that is that you've reduced your expenses, which is yes. which is <laughs> which I think is really smart. I mean, you know, let's in America, you know, it's always, it's at least in modern America before COVID or whatever, it was, it was always, you know, how do I keep up with the Joneses? And instead of, and when you need a new car you go out and buy a new car that you're going to lease or pay for for the next five years versus, okay, I've got five or six or seven grand or whatever it is. I'm just going to go buy a used car for this amount of money that I won't have car payments on. It's just a good, reliable yeah. car. I get the idea of wanting to have a brand new car. That's nice and everything but who wants payments? And uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. And I, I know people, so many people that do that. And it's like, I have friends that have families and kids and then they'll be like, oh, my kids need a new car. And I was oh, like, no. well, no. what do your kids need a car for? <laughs> like, Especially a like, new one. I, when I got my license, I got a 97 Dodge Neon from an impound lot that <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even have a key. So we didn't know if it was going to run or anything, bought it for like $700. And I drove that car for 12 years. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need a new car. And then I, I recently upgraded to a 2007. There you <laughs> so, go. Woo. So yeah, I feel really great that I have electric box and an AC. That's, that's been, <laughs> it's been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that goes, that goes to the, to, back to the, the financial, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Common sense, I guess. Yeah. You know, and, and like for, for me, it's a jars. I have a jar for long-term savings for spending, which a new car is a perfect example of something that you use that jar for, or a new computer, or I want to take a trip and I'm going to use this for a trip money or whatever. But like, it's having that money set aside for when that's going to happen and having money set aside. I'm sure you have money set aside for your car because it's an older mm -hmm. car. Should it need maintenance? Yep. Because it's probably going to need maintenance more than a newer car. And yeah. And you have that realization. So I think that's really great. I just wanted to kind of maybe hammer that home a little bit with the, with the listeners. As an artist, you got to have some financial responsibility and and really know that there are going to be times of feast or famine. And uh, let's talk yeah. a little bit about, let's talk a little about some feast. So you took that leap, maybe not yet feast, but you took that leap in 2016. You said that friends, coworkers, people around you were sort of pushing you in that direction as well. What was the first thing that you did to like said, I'm quitting my job. I'm going to make art and sell it and be a professional artist full-time. What cool. did you do? Uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, kind of spun my wheels for a little while. I, I actually did. I dived into like making so many different kinds of art, trying to figure out like what's going to stick. And then got back into blog writing and tried to like promote on social media because I hadn't actually like worked with Instagram professionally until that point. So okay. I 
just kind of started throwing things at the wall to see what, what would stick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it took, it took a while. I, I was in that state for about a year. Um, I did some local events like St. Cloud has art crawls, uh, quarterly mm-hmm. art crawls. So I signed on for that just to see, you know, if there was interest in my art, it really is just about exploring as many avenues for income as you can until you can pay for your bills. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was, it took me about a year of just trying things until I finally hit the point of like finding something that worked and okay. my social media uh, started to grow in like September of 2017 because I, I kind of hit an art rut because I really didn't know my style. I hadn't been practicing art. I knew what I used to do and what I enjoyed doing, but I still needed like my, my thing, my style, the, sure. the thing that I gravitated towards. So through that art rut, I started to play with fluid painting because that like that just blew up where everybody was pouring paint on a canvas. So I was like, I'm going to try this because I just need a break. (laughs) Like I need to not overthink because my a lot of my art is very tedious and like very close line work. And I think I was just overthinking the process. So I switched to this completely chaotic, uncontrollable medium and started playing around with uh, filming videos and brought in an air compressor and started just manipulating paint in ways that I hadn't done before. And Mm. some of my videos on Instagram went viral, um, and shared by different art accounts. So that was my first like hint of success where I was like, Oh, like, Oh, this is great. People are responding to this. And that sort of started this, uh, snowball effect over the next, uh, two years for social media growth and exploration. So yeah, that was my first encouraging sign that this could actually work for me. So you do have, uh, I mean, you have a style. Yeah. Is it fair to say that you have a style? Um, um, You mix mix colors with uh, geometric lines. And if I remember correctly, um, both white and black, it seems like white is sort of your primary of the Mm -hmm. the geometry, but, but you've also explored black as well. And then you mix color in there and I want to talk more about your style, but before we do, let's touch on that Instagram. So you, you said you really started working in Instagram in 2017, sort of focusing on that. And, mm-hmm. and so that's only 18, 19, 20, 20, that's only four years. I had to count that. Yeah. Out. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have like 130 some thousand followers on, on IG. Yeah. How did you make that happen? You said it was because you had a couple of videos that you posted that went viral. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry, I was, I was going to ask, was all this growth organic? Yes. Tell me the story. Yeah. So, uh, I think it was September of 2017. I had about 300 followers. Okay. Uh, and then by December of 2017, I got up to 20,000 and that was all from, I, I consistently, like once I knew that the videos were working, I just started producing content like crazy. So I was, I think I was releasing at least one video a day, oh, wow. seven days a week, um, okay. just to like keep feeding the, the Instagram monster. Sure. And I like doing that and having that system, I was growing, like even after December, I was growing an average of 150 followers a day wow. for the next year and a half consistently until I hit about 120,000 followers. So that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. Um, so a lot of it just came from that, like 
kind of leveraging the platform and seeing what content Instagram liked to see and what people responded to and Mm -hmm. leaning into it. And yeah, it was, it still blows my mind. when I look at those numbers, I'm like, what are you guys doing here? (laughs) Why are you following me? (laughs) Do you, do you use other social media? Like do you use TikTok or Facebook or Twitter or any of the others? Uh, yeah. So I, I mainly post on Instagram and Facebook, but I focus mostly on Instagram. I do have a TikTok, but I don't really feed into it as much just because Mm -hmm. it's not, it, TikTok is more for entertainment and less for selling your art. As far as, as far as, as far as your Instagram, at what point, so saying, okay, you got 130 plus thousand. That's great. At what point did that benefit you maybe financially or to open up more doors for you? How did that change your work? Yes. So it, it happened financially. It kind of went right along with the growth. You know, I was creating a lot of really small, quick, fluid pieces and people were starting to message me asking if they could buy them. So, you know, as the videos went viral, I was making art sales. And oh, right. uh, then as people were asking me about the materials that I was using, because when you're on Instagram, like you're going to get a whole bunch of artists that are following you as well. And a sure. lot of people will think like, oh, well, I don't want artists to follow me because like, I want people who are going to buy my art, but artists act as your customers and opened up a whole new stream of income for me because as people were asking me about the supplies I used, then I started doing blog posts and like kind of half-assed tutorials because I'm not a teacher. Like I don't want to be an art teacher, but I'm still open to sharing what I'm doing and how I make my art and then became an affiliate, you know, have affiliate programs. So when I recommend products and you read my tutorials on my blog or click on the links, then I make a commission from that. So it, it sort of opened up all these different avenues for me of selling art and doing commissions and teaching people. So it, yeah, it happened immediately. Like it wasn't, you know, a lot of money, but it was enough to be like a proof of concept for me. Sure. 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 When did you start uh, tying in affiliate work? Uh, I think it was like, January of 2018. Okay. Yeah. So shortly after, cause I had so many people asking me the, I use a fine line applicator for my detailed line work. And that is still the, the question I get most often of what's that paint pen you're using? <laughs> so I'm like, there's the link. <laughs> right. 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 And you're like, Hey, if I'm going to be sharing this, I might as well. Yeah. <laughs> Make a little money. While, that's right. That's right. There's nothing, yeah. nothing at all wrong with that. I think, I think affiliates are great, especially if they're used in the right way. Now, unfortunately, so often affiliates are used. And I think it maybe comes from the, the affiliate, the quote unquote influencer. Oh, I'm an influencer. Yeah. Let me get stuff for free or whatever oh. and not really feel, but I think like the way you did it is speaks a lot. You found something that you use in your work and that you're, you're passionate about. If, if I may say that, um, because yeah. it works for you and you're like this, I love this product. This is something I'm going to continue to do. It only makes sense if I'm going to be promoting them to say, I'm promoting you. Can I get some compensation for that and become an affiliate? And that's what happened, obviously. And so I think that's the, really the right way to go about it. And I think you did great there and it provided an additional stream of income, which is you saw, I guess, the financial aspects or the possibilities of saying, yes, I am an artist and I create art, but I can create a financial revenue stream from being an affiliate, from having blogs, from doing all these other things, which leads me into, if I may, messy ever after. 
Now, do you go by Mia or MEA or? Uh, in my head, it's Mia. <laughs> Mia's, Mia's in your head. Okay. Yeah. What? All right. So, Miss Mia, MEA, messy after, messy ever after. Tell me about that. So, this, the name actually came about in 2014 when I. I had recently quit a job and I think I had finished my bachelor's and I was in another like existential crisis of like, what am I going to do <laughs> with my life? I'm very passionate about creativity in general. I can't really stick to one thing for too long. It's like I, even with art, I will go hard for an extended period of time, but then I will burn out and need to like focus my creative mind on something else. So Messy Ever After kind of came in two parts from one was my creative disciplines are all over the place. If I like get obsessed with cooking for a while, like I get obsessed with cooking and <laughs> like pull creativity into everything and I'll do, you know, home improvement projects or, you know, just whatever project can occupy my time and kind of scratch that creative itch. So Messy Ever After started as a blog where I was just sharing different tutorials about random stuff. I was making jewelry for a while. I was making lotion bars, just a bunch of random stuff. And then the second part is also like accepting that this is just who I am as a person. And I kind of have these creative whims that like build up inside of me. And if I deny myself that I go a little bit insane. So it's like kind of accepting like I'm, I'm a mess, but it's great. And like, I'm going to stop trying to change it. So yeah, it started, it started as a blog. It didn't start as art. And then, you know, I had the the Instagram handle and it just kind of like turned into art. And then I kind of accepted it as my, as my identity. Like that's, you know, who I am as a creator. Okay. And, and how did you lever that, uh, leverage that? Obviously that is your Instagram, but how did you further leverage messy ever, ever after? Well, on your website, there's a big thing here on the side box that says how to support Messia ever after. And instead of me going through it, I want you to talk about it, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) So that's just, I do a whole bunch of different things. Like I said, where I, like I'll burn out in one area and focus on another. So under the kind of Messia ever after umbrella is blog writing. Um, I do consulting services for other artists with Um, you know, figuring out your brand and like, this is where my psychology degree really came into play. (laughs) Like the, the one year that I spent in psychology classes is the ability to introspect and figure out, you know, who you are and who you're presenting to the world and how you can brand yourself and, you know, figure out your message as a creator. So through my trial and error with, being successful online, I learned a lot of tips where like, I'm, I'm very happy to share with other artists. So supporting Messy Ever After comes from, you know, either you can buy my art, you can be an artist yourself and purchase the art supplies that I use and love and recommend. You Mm -hmm. can, you know, do consulting work in one-on-one sessions with me. Gosh, what else do I have on there? You can just give me money. Uh, you know PayPal or Patreon. <laughs> so sometimes it's good to just go out and ask for the ask for the cash. You know what I mean? Like I mean, yeah. If you want to give me money, I'll be happy to take it, and don't be afraid to ask for it. Yeah, so, especially yeah. with my blog writing, where I focus on uh, how to like overcome creative barriers and how to like protect your creativity, and I'll even touch on like anxiety and depression, and you know, 
I don't want people to feel alone. And I know when you are a creative person and a highly emotional person, it's really easy to kind of couple that with anxiety and depression and feeling alone or feeling kind of rejected from society because you're not able to do the, the nine to five grind or, you know, like we just, there's so many of us who are very different in beautiful ways and society will kind of try to put us into a box and make us feel other when we can excel in other areas. So I really focus on, on that with, with blog writing and with my Instagram captions and just kind of being a, a source of encouragement and inspiration for other artists. So in the term of like, give me money is some people have been like, this blog really helps me like this. Like, I want to support you because like you helped me in a dark time or, you know, helped guide me. So it's like, people want to show their, their gratitude in those ways. So it's yeah. Patreon is another Avenue to just be like, Hey, if you enjoy what I'm putting out there, this helps support it. No pressure. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's great too. You're not afraid to ask for it. So many people, regardless of what their career or field or discipline is, are, are afraid to ask. Ask, ask for the sale, if you will. Ask, you know, like, yeah. how are you going to get the money unless you ask for it? And it's really with... uncomfortable for me. <laughs> it took a long well, time. To <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's always, it's always a little bit uncomfortable, but, you know, it's, it's, if there's value in your work and if you value your work, then other people will value it. So, you know, until you as an artist are able to say, you know what, my work does have value mm-hmm. and I should be compensated in some form or fashion for that work. So you have a lot of different areas then that you derive revenue from. You've got your actual artwork itself. People can just give you money. You've got your blogging and you've got, you mentioned consulting in there. What would you say at this point in your artistic career is your largest source of income? Especially uh, as we- still, still art sales. Art I, sales. I like to make sure that I'm focusing most of my energy on creating. So yeah, it's still definitely like physical, physical pieces of art. Cool. Okay. How much, how often do you create art? You said you go in waves of like, I'm feeling really creative and then you'll get kind of burned out on it when you, and I noticed a lot of the work that you do is like a series or mm-hmm. a collection of, let's like, say so you work on many pieces at once. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had a really creative burst, uh, starting in September of last year where I think I was creating a new series a week. I, I've kind of binge create cause I've, like experience the emotions and the initial inspiration and I have to get it all out (laughs) and done before it passes. Otherwise I might abandon it. But yeah, I was doing, you know, three to seven piece series every week or every two weeks, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of slowed down this spring, you know, summer has me like all over the place with my attention span. But yeah, I think I create on average like five to 10 pieces a month. And I'm really struggling through a, a series right now. So it's, it's a slow time, <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay. You're, yeah, you're, good... you're honest about it. I'm struggling through, I'm struggling through, uh, but you're, <laughs> and I want to say that, you know what, binge creating is way better than binge eating. So yes, good on yeah. you there. <laughs> <laughs> I do a little bit of that too, which is well, you know, (laughs) well then if we're getting deep, let's get deep on you then. Sure. I want to ask is something I ask all artists is why should we care about art? Ooh, I don't think we have a choice, but to care about art. I think 
it kind of defines the human experience and is a universal means of of communication because you can strip it down to shape and form and you can communicate so much with an image or with a song or you know with even advertising campaigns like we can manipulate emotions through all the art forms that are out there and I think a lot of people will take art for granted but not realize you know how much it surrounds you and your daily life and all of your choices and the ways that you style yourself and yeah it's it's my favorite means of of communication yeah we have to care about art (laughs) is it have to in that where we don't have a choice is that what you said like yeah yeah it's yeah you're 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 caring about it and appreciating it whether or not you want to admit it i i would agree with that i totally agree with that what is it what is it that you love most about being an artist probably the the freedom and the flexibility you know with our modern culture there's so much emphasis on efficiency and working fast and being productive and contributing to society and I feel like we've created a lot of unrealistic expectations for what people should be able to juggle in terms of you know living a fulfilling life and having strong relationships around them and just enjoying this existence I feel like a lot of what modern life has built kind of pulls us away from actually enjoying life and being an artist it's like it's a privilege to be able to make my own schedule and to be able to actually take downtime when I need it and spend time with family when those opportunities arise and be able to actually just wake up and it sounds so corny, but to, to seize the day <laughs> and to like, just focus on being happy. Um, you know, when I was looking at going to college and finding like my career, there's that mentality of like, you work this job until you retire. And then you finally enjoy life when you've retired because you put in all this time doing something that maybe you weren't happy doing, but this is what you do because this is what everybody is supposed to do. Mm. And I was already struggling, uh, in high school with, episodes of depression and I was like I'm already unhappy now I don't want to add more unhappiness doing something that I don't love so I've really just like used art to give me the life that can actually make me happy I feel like I rambled a little bit there <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'll cut, I'll cut out the last five minutes it'll be fine it'll be, no sure perfect I'll just, yeah. <laughs> no I think that's I think that's beautiful uh, what you just said and something that really strikes me is that you something that was ingrained in me when I was also going through high school is like you get a job and you work that job until you retire and if I can be very blunt, that is 100% bullshit. And we yes. no longer live in that society that, 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 that is the case. And I truly believe that I mean, without getting into the COVID situation, it seems to be, everybody seems to have forgotten about COVID. Like there have not been a lot of conversation around like stress. And I mean, like nutrition and eating is one thing, but also stress and having that working the nine to five. And it's something that, especially my generation, I think like get the job, you go to college, you get the job, you get married, have the two and a half kids and get a good house. And then, you know, then you're happy. And yeah, it's such a bullshit way to exist. And I hope you don't mind me saying that it's, uh, I love, I agree. 
I love, that's why I love talking to artists. And that's also one of the things we talked about earlier that I'm going to bring back around is the minimizing your, your expenses is learning to live with less at the, at the, like learning, learning to live within your means, I think maybe a better way to say it of like, Hey, this is where I'm at right now. This is the kind of income that I have right now. And I'm going to live within that income versus creating a lot of debt and buying a lot of stuff that I can't afford. And then working for a better job to make more money so I can buy more stuff that I can't afford. And it has created a vicious cycle. And that my wife and I were caught in sort of in a little bit in that cycle. And when I say caught, it's like, I realized that that was where I was even though or where life was leading me even though i didn't want to be there and that's in part why we moved why we decided to travel and like find a stress-free existence and find an existence doing what we love and being passionate and so i really applaud you i think the fact that you took the dive into art and you're hopefully you're loving it you look like you're loving it look like you're super happy <laughs> plus, I also, <laughs> plus i also want to say and the, the viewers can't the listeners can't uh see this but you know we're on a, we're on a video call and you have plants in the background, which I love at one, two, three, four, five, six. I can There's listen to seven plants back there, which is, you need plants in your life inside and outside. It goes back to nature. So the fact that you brought some nature inside indoors with you, I think is super important. Um, so just touch on that a little bit, but now that we got all happy joy, joy, let me ask you, what is one thing that you really hate about being an artist or dislike or, or wish you could change? Oh, um, Maybe I should ask that first. Yeah, that one's that one's hard because I I think one of the difficult things, and I don't necessarily hate it or dislike it, it's trying to balance the the create and the desire to innovate with uh, having a consistent style or you know, like I I create because I love it, but then I also create to to sell work and to you know, make that living. So there is a balance of like, how far out there can you get? How often can you just abandon what you're doing and start fresh? And, you know, I'm not 100% free in the decisions that I make because I, you know, still have to have these, these areas of routine and discipline. So that's still kind of a tension point, but it's something that I can enjoy because the, the limitations can, can still produce fun things. But yeah, just having to to be mindful of what my current audience expects from me, what my current audience enjoys, and still kind of creating within those parameters um, can be sort of limiting. And then uh, at the moment, I <laughs> so I wrote I wrote a novel in like no- November to the first week of January. I just like binge wrote a novel. And then now I'm fighting the urge to drop every visual form of art and like go write and edit and like just disappear. So that's, yeah, causing a little bit of tension because I'm feeling that like, like, Ooh, okay. I just want to like disappear for weeks. Nobody (laughs) talked to me. (laughs) What would happen if you did Um, that? Probably nothing. I mean, I just sacrifice some income for a little while, but yeah, nothing is actually stopping me from doing it aside from my, uh, guilt and expectation. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when you realize that and I'm like, I have no excuses for this, but yeah. And then social media is, I I do have a love hate relationship with social media because I want to continue to grow and expand my audience, but it does require 
daily input and a lot of work. It's completely worth it. Um, I do a lot of like Instagram assessment sessions with, with other artists to like help you leverage it. But sometimes like, I'm so introverted that sometimes I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just need to shut out the world, but there's Mm -hmm. still like, I, I have to communicate with people. I have to market. I have to put myself out there. So that's probably one of the hardest parts for me is overcoming my introversion. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned love, hate relationship with social media. I think any, any intelligent, uh, aware person has that because it really sucks. It's energy draining. Social media is really energy draining, but it it has a benefit, especially for an artist to get your work out there to the world. So it's, it's definitely a balance. Yeah. I try to be mindful of what I'm consuming. That's one of the dangerous parts. I, kind of protect my creativity by like, I want to support other artists, but I also have to shut out that side of the world and kind of protect my own creativity and not be like influenced by what I'm seeing. Cause artists are sponges. If you're a creative person, like you are anything that you're taking in is creative fuel. So I have to be really careful about, you know, what I'm looking at, what I'm consuming. And then also to not fall into the comparison trap of like, holy shit, this artist is really cool. I'm failing because I'm not doing anything as cool as that artist. Yeah. Yeah. Social media is dangerous, but it's also really great. And I've met a lot of great people. So yeah. Love, hate relationship. (laughs) And it's so true. And I think that it's the fact that you have that realization that that you sometimes do that is the, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a, 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 like the first step recovery is realizing <laughs> that you have that of realizing, hey, yeah. you know what, because we do IG really is, it's our best life. It's a snapshot one moment mm-hmm. at a time. Even if we post five times a day, it's still one moment, five times a day. And, and we can easily manipulate, especially with Instagram and, uh, you know, and I being a photographer, I was an early adapter to Instagram when it was just photos and I loved it because hey, I could put photos up there and I don't, and then they quickly, adopted filters. And I was like, okay, these are cool. Cause then I can make it better. And then, you know, since Facebook bought it and it's blown up and it's now, and I saw something recently about the stress on young people because of social oh. media and because of even worse, because of video. And now the you can filters. Now you can, it's so easy to do filters on video. And that's what all of the famous people are doing to show their, to make them look better than perfect. And I know being a photographer and a fashion photographer, I was guilty of that and very aware that, Hey, I'm very, I'm very aware that when I create a photo and then I manipulate it, it's not real life. Yeah. And, but it's also like the person looking at that on the other end, who's going, God, I wanted to look like that person and not realizing that it's not real life. And it's okay that you look the way you do, even if you don't, Yeah, you know, that part, that part is hard. Just, you know, outside of the art world and just, yeah, social media in general, I, I've kind of made a choice on my social media to try to be as real as possible. And like, I will not use a filter on my face. (laughs) I just, I can't do it. (laughs) I'm mainly, mainly it's because I want to be able to look in the mirror and, and like that person that I'm seeing. Uh, I lived in San Diego for two years and it like, when I moved out there, my self-esteem had a heat, like it took a hit because, you know, social media, I think has affected that population and being so close to LA and, just that idea of having like a perfect body and mm. perfect face and everybody is getting Botox and everybody's getting lip fillers just because like you can, it's cheaper now. And like everybody sure. like walk down any block and you can go get 
lip filler and I moved out there and I was like, are my, are my lips too thin? Like, do I, do I need to loop? Like what, what is happening? Like, let me go back to the Midwest where everybody just enjoys life and goes hiking and doesn't have to do their eyebrows to, to walk down a trail. (laughs) It was, it was just too much. Like I'm too low maintenance. And I was like, I can't for the sake of my own mental well-being, like I have to be happy with my face. You are beautiful just the way you are. And oh, thank you. And you know what? So you haven't, you're not that too far removed from your younger self. Uh, you said you're in your 30s and you've only been a professional artist for about five years or so, like full time professional artist. So not that seasoned. I mean, you're, five years is a, you've been through the kind of yeah. early rough patches. It's definitely harder at the beginning, I think. But the question I want to ask is well, and you said you started art as a young person and you were pursuing art in your mind in high school, maybe this is something I'm going to do. What advice would you give to yourself if you had to go back to that, like maybe 18, 17, 18 year old, knowing what you know now, uh, many years later? (laughs) There's there's a lot of advice I would give and my 18, 19 year old self would ignore it uh, (laughs) defiantly. (laughs) Because it really does come down to uh, having patience like being being a creative person it doesn't follow any set formula there's no comfortable you do this for four years you go to school you get this degree you do this like xyz and then it leads to this stable career and you can have this life like there's there is no set plan and it's going to happen when it happens as long as you're putting in that daily work so i think that was the uh, the biggest lesson that I've learned is just slow down and be patient and just make art more than you're thinking about art and the rest will figure itself out. You know, like it's, if you spend too much time thinking about what you want to do and not doing it, then you're just wasting time. And yeah, so there's that piece, <laughs> be patient, do the work. It's not going to happen overnight. And you know, it might never happen. The success as a creative person might not happen. So it's a matter of, are you enjoying the process and are you living your life the way you want to today and not like looking forward at, well, I'll be happy when this happens. I'll be happy when I have this level of success. It's like, set those expectations low, just enjoy life because yeah, there's no guarantee that anything is going to happen tomorrow. Well, this is also a great, a great, um, a great session right here. Like for, <laughs> for the psychologist, <laughs> you know, cause I was going to say earlier, like, oh, cause you talked about your anxiety and things like that. And I was going to mm-hmm. say, you know, all of that is in your head, 100% yep. the anxiety and the, the, and it's not being present to right now, this moment, this experience is all that shit that we get in our head. And, we, and then you just totally, you just totally fed it all back to me. So <laughs> and to the audience, like you, I want everybody who listened to this to go back and rewind about two minutes and listen to it again because it was brilliant. I thought what you said right there was just fabulous. Thank you. It, yeah, if I can touch on some of it, was like it may never happen, which is all, which is also can be scary, but just I think more importantly, you said enjoy it, enjoy the process, enjoy the ride, enjoy what you're doing. And I do believe that if if someone finds their passion and works their passion that they can, they're going to find success in it. You know, if you work yeah. at what you're passionate at, especially, and I've 
learned this many, many years ago. A mentor of mine taught me that if there is one other person in the world who is successful doing what you want to do or what you're doing, then you can become successful at it because you just, yeah. you know, you know, that the, the, the path has already been laid. They, they got there somehow, but I also like how you said, and I think this is also very important is there's no one way to get there. There's no one set of instructions for an artist to become an artist. There's countless roads that you can take to be successful as an artist. So I think that's also yeah. really important for people listening who are, are thinking about it or doing this or working on it, working on their art, which leads me to the next question is what advice would you give to someone who's either just starting out as an artist or who's stuck or who wants to get to where you are at a professional level? Ooh, um, I mean, it would be different for a lot of people. I'd start by psychoanalyzing them a little bit <laughs> to see like, <laughs> like what, what barriers are in your way. Is it like, are you standing in your own way by being, you know, too hard on your work? Are you throwing up barriers? Are you preventing yourself from even getting started? Like I know a lot of the artists that I've talked to in consulting sessions, a lot of the artists that I've worked with through Instagram or through any coaching services, there's the fear that you have already failed before you mm. even started. And the best advice I can give is you need to make art. You need to do it. If you are stuck trying to find your style, if you're stuck on social media, if you are stuck, you know, not selling any work, it's, you just need to keep producing and be as prolific as you possibly can because the more you do, the more you just get into that flow state and don't overthink it and just produce art. It is going to, um, it's like exercise. <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to benefit you in so many ways where you are strengthening your, your skills, you are creating discipline, you are getting into a routine, you are, you know, ignoring your internal critic and getting better at turning that voice down by just defiantly creating art no matter the circumstances. So that's, yeah, that's probably the biggest piece of advice for any creator is just make art as often as you can. Just make art as often as you can. Beautiful. What happens though, when you burn out, just make art as often as you can until you need a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and then go feed the creative spirit in different ways. Cause there is the, the creative cycle that you do have to be mindful of. And everybody's cycle is different. You know, you have the, like the input phase where you are sort of resting and just taking in input and you need to be aware of, of what you need in the moment. So there's the, the input, the incubation, the creation side, and then the resting side and know your process and know when to honor it and then repeat that cycle as often as you can. <laughs> mm, that's great. And I would suggest maybe as an artist, take a few psychology courses also because, that, yeah because you, you've come with a lot of brilliance you really have <laughs> you really have <laughs> it's uh, the, honestly like the the introspection um like struggling with depression and anxiety as early as I did and trying to figure out like just key ways to be happy and to live a a, a peaceful existence in my own head has mm -hmm. translated outwards in a lot of ways which has been great and not talking to you, just looking at your art, I would have never known that you would struggle with those depression and anxiety because your art's bright I and colorful and it's beautiful. <laughs> and yeah. It's the, you've done a good job of, of, I think, dealing with it. And uh, I appreciate the fact that you're vulnerable enough to share that. I, you know, I've gone through that phase of my life where I was very depressed and, and had a, 
hard, hard time after 2008 and all thing. And I lost my photography studio, my business and not going into it here, but yeah. it was like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? And why am I even here? Uh, that question came up many, many times. I also, I've read a little bit of some of your blogs and I'm going to dive into them a little more, but I th- also think that's a key of writing is just like art, just like any other art form, you're only going to get better if you do it more and more. So the fact that yeah. you're blogging and, and that's something that you realized that you enjoyed. And even after you left creative writing sort of behind, you didn't leave it behind. Like you still do it. You found a way to do it. And I think that's, that's fantastic. So uh, as we wrap up, I want to make sure that people have a way of finding you. And I want to just say this. I had Googled you. And I'm going to tell the listeners, I mean, Kelly, Marie is a beautiful name. And when I type that in, that's great and all, but there's other, it's not that unique. No offense. Yep. No, it's not. (laughs) But messy ever after is the way to go. If people want to get a hold of you, just Google messy ever after and you dominate Google. Uh, Yeah. I'm everywhere. You've done a great job (laughs) of, of, you've done a great job of marketing that, that name. And so, you know, messy ever after your website and YouTube. And as I scroll down, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, it's all you. And so uh, if people want to get a hold of you, in addition to Googling Messy Ever After, how should they reach out? How can they learn more about you? Is that the best uh, Instagram. Instagram is a great place. Yeah. I try to respond to all Instagram messages that I get if they're not weird. So, <laughs> so Instagram, is, Instagram is a good one. Uh, otherwise my website, messyeverafter.com, or you can email me at kelly at messyeverafter.com. So cool. Awesome. And Instagram of course is at messy ever after. Yep. For- yep. No, no spaces, no symbols. When I got that name in 2016, I was the only one. And now there are about 50 variations of it on Instagram. So the one and only messy ever but after. You, you're the original. <laughs> That's I am awesome. the I'm the OG. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, Kelly. I really appreciate the the conversation and uh, the, your insights, and it's been really really cool. Do you have any last words of wisdom or things that you want to share with the the art unknown audience? Oh no, I'm just I'm so honored to have been invited, and this has been great. So thank you, thank you so much. Of course, yeah. Thank you, thank you. You heard it coming for a long time and forgot about it How many times does one forget, explain and start it over You took a break, you searched your soul and now the world's your lover The music for this episode of the podcast is another incredible Minnesota artist. Her name is Miriam Bu and the track is The World Is Your Lover. It's off her latest album release of the same name and you can check out my conversation with Mary on episode 47 of the Art Unknown podcast. Also, check out more of her work wherever you listen to your music. Now that the episode is finished, head on over to artunknownstore.com where you'll find art-inspired activewear and accessories from some Art Unknown podcast artists. Once again, that's artunknownstore.com. And special bonus, podcast listeners get 10% off your purchase. Just use the code AUPODCAST10 when you check out. Once again, artunknownstore.com. I am Jim Wills, the host and producer of the Art Unknown Podcast, and I thank and appreciate each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart. Now, let's remember to take care of one another, and as always, feed your soul with art. Feed your soul with art.